0: let's do it hey well welcome to season three episode i had to look at this because i, I you, can't keep track you,
1: you did it though you started
0: episode three nope. no no epi- episode season three unanimous. episode <laughs> six how oh, generationally speaking my name is brad i'm the lead pastor at crossbridge here and this is my good friend jordan chitwood our online pastor and also the current millennial here Current on the podcast,
1: I think I'll always be the millennial.
0: You will always be the millennial. I don't think
1: that title changes.
0: You're really close to Gen Z though.
1: I am. I actually, I can... think I'm like one and a half years. I, I am like one and a half years. Yeah,
0: you're, you're almost there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so there you go. Yeah. So hey, it is episode six. We've talked about mental health in our last conversation. We've talked about uh, marriage, sex, divorce, all that fun stuff. We talked about cancel culture, social justice. Um, and tonight we are going to be talking about something that might be new to a few of our listeners.
0: My, it was new to my wife. Was it really? She, yeah, she said, "Could you explain this to me?"
1: Huh. Cool. It um, actually, I, I, if Marissa's watching the chat right now, I'd be interested to see if she even knows. Um, we're talking about faith deconstruction. Um, and so been a
0: big topic in yep, in church circles. Big topic lately.
1: And some of you might know you know, the conversation we're gonna have just didn't know it was called faith deconstruction. Right. Because if you follow any mainstream media any mainstream church media even, there's been a lot of pastors talking about it, a lot of worship pastors talking about it. Um, Christians, churches, and et one of the reasons is
0: because a lot of famous people Yep. Have deconstructed their faith. Yep. And and yeah, so yeah. That's why it's in the in the news news cycle of the church world right now.
1: Yes. And so
0: I don't know what any of those famous people are who they are, but
1: uh, well, wasn't one of them the Hillsong pastor? Um, there was a, pastor, Hills, there was a worship Hillsong uh, uh,
0: worship guy. That, yeah, that, worship guy. And there was also the guy who wrote Kiss Dating Goodbye. Uh, I think that was him. Was it? Yeah.
1: Well, there's been a couple I know. Yeah, and there's, there's been, been a couple several. that have been, uh, again, the the language that we're going to be talking about tonight, some of it can be trigger words for people. And so when they hear deconstruction, they immediately go to the extreme and stuff. And right. that's part of what we're going to talk about. Right. And so, um, yeah, anyway, uh, in the chat, Again, if you have any questions about deconstruction, about our topic tonight, and you feel comfortable and confident to share in the chat, we're going to do our best to answer them. Um, But tonight's going to be a fun conversation. We're going to be walking through these four things. First, we're going to define faith deconstruction, what it is, and why it's trending. Then we're going to talk about the generational responses to deconstruction. Then we're going to look at, is it a good thing, a bad thing, or both? And then the last question we're going to walk through is, how should the church...
0: Respond, Respond. Yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, Brad, Great. why don't you define faith deconstruction for us?
0: Awesome. Here we go. Deconstruction is the heading most recently applied to the process of questioning, doubting, and ultimately rejecting aspects of the Christian faith. Yes. And many of these, especially the, the people lately that really has have people talking are these, you know, worship pastors, things like that, who were up leading literally hundreds and, and maybe sometimes thousands of people. Yep in worship, and now they're saying they don't even believe in God.
1: Yep, and that's part of what um, uh, the Hillsong pastor, I believe, really hinted at in an right. Instagram post where I think he stepped away from his position, Yeah, and he said, I'm just at a place of deconstructing where the things that I'm dealing with and the questions that I'm having, um, I don't feel like I'm in a healthy place to be leading people right now. Right. Um, some other ways— Which I admire. I think that's an incredible, you know, question. Um, Courage isn't the right word. Maybe it I, is. Not,
0: yeah, I think yeah, it actually incredi-
1: is. Incredible courage to to have, to stand up and say, hey, I'm just not you, in a healthy you, place. You know what?
0: Yeah, I, I can't do this because I'm not being real. Right. I would rather them do that Ooh, yeah. than, than be faking it.
1: Yep. Um, some other ways that deconstruction has come about, especially with younger generations, is in the sense of legalistic Christianity, um, yes. rule-following, absolute truth, And we're going to get—I think yeah. we'll get
0: into some of that Yep. If we don't get on too many rabbit trails, we here. probably will. Because I could get onto some rabbit trails with this one.
1: Yep, and then also, um, you know, you got some different beliefs, mm-hmm. um, or where the church is taking a stance on A, B, C, or D. Right. And then the younger generation says, "Hold, Hold on, on, there should be an A two and an A three and an A four, where there's different angles to look at it. And if you're telling me I have to do this, I'm going to deconstruct that. Or I'm going to pull away or push right. back.
0: Yeah. Um. And Another, all that. I, I actually read this as I was researching just a little bit before we came on, and and this may actually help. Um, this is another way to talk about d- deconstruction is, is a, a systematic pulling apart of the mm. belief system you were raised in.
1: Yes. Oh, that's per, uh, I think that's yeah, a great word. A, a
0: systematic pulling apart of the belief system that you were raised in. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll talk a little bit about yes. generation, what that means to different generations.
1: Yep. Yep. And so let's transition to that. Brad, why don't you share um, two part question first Wayne's well, the first part? Then what's the last second part? When your generation hears deconstruction, deconstruction what's the response? Uh,
0: two things, two things to your two-part question. Um, <laughs> I would say a lot of my generation doesn't even understand. They don't even haven't even heard deconstruction. So you
1: think Barb's reaction is the norm? Is the norm. Is, is the norm. Hmm.
0: But those who are in the church world, because I follow a lot of blogs, a lot of different things, and right. and so uh, matter of fact when some of these articles have come out in some of the blogs and things that that I follow I love reading the comments oh. and I am just blown <laughs> away at what some of the comments and honestly most of them are coming from the boomer generation
1: hmm. you know
0: and, and I think what it is is that the the boomers have grown up and myself included with this thing of you know well you know we've got the bible
1: mm-hmm.
0: i believe it and that settles it you don't ask questions. Mm-hmm. You don't. You don't try to pick it apart. You don't wonder about you know the the authenticity, what have you, because that, and and that's how a lot of a lot yep. of us have thought about that process. And then we've taught that. And so when someone, even our own kids, have questioned that, start playing yep. with, we go, no, 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 you don't. You don't get to question. Yep. You know, it's the Bible. Mm-hmm. It says so. I believe it. That settles it. Let's not talk about it, mm-hmm. which has led us to the problem that we're facing right now.
1: Yes. Do you Didn't that transition really start occurring in Gen X to millennial, or was it really millennial when questioning started becoming allowed? I think it was more
0: millennial than anything.
1: Okay. Yeah. I think older millennial, because I know Trevor and Michael, 34, 35, right. up to like 38. Right. Um, maybe 40 is the highest millennial. I can't, I'm not sure, because it changes it, all the time. It, right. Um, but I know in the the late '80s, early '90s is really when it started becoming okay. Hold on, um, let's start questioning some of these things, and let's start pushing back. I guess is the word.
0: And I remember having these conversations with Bruce, who was who was a Gen X, and and he had the same basically thought process that I, you know, that's how he grew up also. Mm. Okay, and cool. And I would say, you know, he would have the same type of. Th- I think it was the millennials who really started the. Mm. Hold it. Let's push back on this a little bit,
1: right? And then that's and my I, generation. And I
0: would say that that the boomers are even worse than Gen Xers, saying no, 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 we can't question
1: that. Mm. Right. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. That would make sense to me. Um, and so then you go to the flip side. So you've got you've got boomers are don't question anything. Then you got millennials question everything. Right. And um, the concept of absolute truth which is something that came up a lot in yeah. my college curriculum is, is there such thing as an absolute truth? And then the question is, well, if that's a yes or no answer, then that's an absolute truth, whether it's no or yes. And so it's just this full circle conversation. Yeah. But uh, what millennials started doing and social media made it so much more prevalent and the ability to Google and the ability to research anything um, and ask the tough questions. That is
0: huge what you just said there. Yeah. The, the the age of the Internet has changed yep everything because you would not be able to research a lot of of different thought processes mm-hmm. atheists things like that yep. uh, until the internet the, the birth of the internet now yep. all of a sudden we have access to all kinds of information we've never had access before
1: well and then something also that people have to recognize for the church is the way the catholic church started and was for a long time was the pope or the priest was the only one who had access to with, the manuscripts and
0: and withheld information. And
1: withheld information, and you whatever handle, they taught. You can't on. handle the truth, right? And so, wasn't it the, the the thesis when what's his face nailed the thesis on? And there was part of it like, all you got it. You're what, talking about it.
0: One of my my notes is is you know deconstruction has been going on for yes, ever. Yes. Martin
1: Luther. Martin Luther the what is the, it, Ryan? Martin Luther. Martin okay, Luther was was, yeah.
0: was the original deconstructionist.
1: Yeah, where he goes up. What is it? The What's the the ninety the, the, the something the thesis?
0: Nine, wasn't it?
1: Uh, Martin Luther thesis. Yeah, not... Uh, no, it's the 90... Is it 90? 95 thesis.
0: Oh, well, maybe. I'm wrong.
1: Yeah. Um, 95 thesis in 1517 where Martin Luther said, Catholic Church, you're y- wrong. You're wrong. And he nailed, nailed it to the door. door of the... Yeah. Uh, yeah, Joe Boone, Hey, Joe, good to see you, man. Dallas will lose tonight. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> um, Anyway, so yeah, that's cool. He was the first one. And... A big part of it was because, especially with them, they were saying, "Hey, you have to buy your, you know, you have to buy your salvation. If you sin, you can buy your way out of it by giving to the the church." Yeah, and he started saying, "Wait, that's not okay." Yeah, that's not okay, and started pushing back. Right, right, right. Um, so that's one. I would okay. Yeah, no. but well, well,
0: the other thing I was going to say, and, and going back to the generational thing, I didn't want to forget this is that I think part of the, and I don't have stats to prove this or what have you. It's just a sense that I have. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is scientific. But the other thing that happens in my generation, uh, the older generation, the boomers, is that we like things in black and white. Mm. And so we want the answers of, is this right or wrong? Mm. There's no gray. We try to stay away from all gray areas. Right. And we try to put everything in a box. And part of that reason we put try to put something in a box is so we can know whether people are in or out. Mm-hmm. And And culture and church and society right now is not going that way. And, mm. and I, my guess is that you can think of a few people, even that we have acts, you know, that we know mm-hmm. who are struggling with some of the things that we even teach about. Yeah. And they want to say, Hey, what about this? Right. You know, what's your stance sure. on this? And, and we have some interesting conversations because of that. Yep. Because there's not a lot of times we won't necessarily take
1: a stance or take a hard stance or even. take a hard stance right. or say
0: you know what we need to have more discussion about this right right and that bothers them because no there you, sh- you should have a stance it should be black and white this is the way it is right and when you say when you have those discussions <laughs> how many times is it a boomer
1: uh well you're asking me and it's often a lot of times just say it. it's a hundred percent okay well
0: <You're>, you know <laughs> how when have you had a, a discussion with a millennial that says you that's know just tell me true. what the stance
1: is that's very true that's very true. You
0: you know you'll 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 barter it if you will.
1: Yeah, that's very true, and that leads me to my point. So with millennials, um, everything then became gray, and even into Gen Z, everything then became has become gray, and there's become a shift of like, well, then everything's okay, and there isn't absolute truth at Correct. all, and it it's not so much. It, it really started that way with millennials because everything became questionable and everything be- became okay to question. Right. And I would argue everything is okay to question. I think it's okay to have healthy questions. Absolutely. But I do think there is some black and white areas. Right. A lot of black and white areas, but there's also a lot of gray areas that, that we we'll probably correct. talk about. That's correct. Um. And Gen Z then took it to the next level where it's, everything's the, gray. The pendulum has shifted the right. other way. The so other as, extremes. As,
0: if we're saying that the older generation said, you know, everything's going to be black and white, it's just what the Bible says. You just got faith. You can't right. question any of this. Now it's no, we're going to question everything. And and you know what? Anything goes. There's yep. there's any way you want to to get to heaven. There's you can believe whatever you want to believe yep. as long as as long as you're not hurting someone or as it's long as okay. you love people.
1: Yeah. Right. And part of what, especially for me, so this is something, um, this is something for me that I went through a process of when I went to college. Because I grew up and hashtag ad in my book um, (laughs) when I started, you know, the first chapter, you know, it's titled I grew up believing. And it was this concept of I grew up believing all of these things because this is what I was told. This is what I was taught and I never questioned anything, not because I wasn't told I couldn't question. That was the difference. It's just I had so much respect for my dad and for you and for Bruce, and these were the things that were taught at Crossbridge and the things I loved, and, you know, so that, you know, and they weren't even any, like, major, like, theological breakthrough points. Um, It was just something like, you know, take, for example, every Christ follower should give, okay? Something, a point like that, okay? Um, I'd go to college, and then all of a sudden... (laughs) <laughs> there's different people believing different things at a Christian university, and I'm like, wait, hold on, there are Christian Democrats. I know that might blow people away. That that was mind blowing to me. Yeah, because I thought that, in, you know, if you if you wanted to be a Christian, a good Bible believing Christian, there's no way you could lean left. It right. was impossible, and that's why I went to college believing. And that was just one of the things where I'm like. What? And then I get to college. I'm like, there's not only left and right. There's people that are like third party and fourth party, and parties that don't even exist, <laughs> and people that are you know racist and anti-racist and just against everything. It's just like there's so Your many mind was different. Blown. Oh, it was blown. Yeah, it was just completely culture shocked, and that's How did when you the deacon deconstruct- said, "I, I didn't deal." A big and it was a weird time for me because I was going through grieving. Yeah, and so at the same time i'm emotionally not in a healthy place while all of my friends have different beliefs uh north park is a evangelical church uh denomination but it is oh, what's the actual denomination it starts with an e anyway um uh my friends they they came from different you know backgrounds and churches mm-hmm. that were a part of north park and some of the things that they practiced or believed or whatnot i'm like i we didn't even talk about that. We didn't even think about that. We didn't do that. Like they still had my buddy his wedding. You know, the guy that did the um that did the ceremony came out in a you know, a priest robe, like a monk robe. It was weird to me because and this was a Christian denomination. So how did I respond to that? Um was your initial question. Yeah. Um it terrified me because um Your
0: worldview was shaken.
1: Shaken, but it also felt like I was alone. Because everybody back home, I was four hours away at college and it felt like everything I was experiencing was so radical. And so even if it wasn't, even if it was simple things like I'm just asking the question, Okay, I'm not going to take a hard stance on this. Just asking the question because it got asked to me, is homosexuality a sin? Mm -hmm. Okay, That was one of the big topics that I wrestled with in college. I had to write a 20 page paper on it, 10 page on both sides with all research. But. I grew up believing this is a black or white issue. Right. It's a no-brainer issue. You know, you can't be gay and love God. Like, the that's what... I go to college, and I run into gay Christians. I run into people who have, you know, different sides of the aisle. And so why I say it was terrifying for me was because those issues seemed so no-brainer to me back home. Mm-hmm. And I'm here, and it's like... I'm the outcast. Would would you say it started shaking your faith? Oh yeah. Well,
0: I'm in a unique it does situation. For some.
1: Yes. When from- you, when
0: you say from from your generation that that yes. all of a sudden said, no hold it. If, if I was taught this and now I'm seeing a different side of this, then, then maybe it's not all true.
1: Yep. And that is the second half of deconstruction. The first half, which we'll talk about a lot tonight, is where you're deconstructing some unhealthy absolutes or unhealthy beliefs or unhealthy gray areas and you're kind of pulling back asking tough questions and then you're kind of rebalancing everything
0: a reconstruction
1: reconstruction yes the second half of deconstruction is what we saw with the Hillsong pastor where the questions or the lack of answers to some of the questions um result in losing a faith or changing denominations, or changing sexuality, or different things and whatnot. Um, and so, there's kind of when you're talking about deconstruction, you've got those two areas. For me, it was more so the the former. It was more so the or the primer. It was where my faith wasn't shaken. It just I started to deconstruct, right. asking the tough questions, wrestling with them, and even if my answers to those questions didn't change, um, the awareness that I went from a black absolute to a gray absolute even if the answer was still the same but understanding that it doesn't matter i don't want to say matter but it that it see yeah.
0: that right there is a thing that i think i totally get because honestly that's what i have done mm. i think my generation still struggles with that because they haven't been able to process like that mm. so if I I don't know if you can unpack that anymore, but I think that is a crucial piece of, because my guess is there will people be listening to this or hearing about this in younger generations, either Gen Z or millennials, who are struggling with some of this stuff, afraid to tell their parents, you know what, I don't know if I really believe any of this stuff anymore. Mm. And for them to have safe places or say, you know what, someone else has been through this.
1: Yep, that's good.
0: And be able to reconstruct some of that, I think is absolutely
1: huge. Yeah. Well let's talk about this. Let's let's bring this up. This was just kind of on the from a political side, you got marijuana. Okay. Yeah. I went to college believing marijuana is completely wrong. Not only from an illegal standpoint, so but my, from
0: in my day it was alcohol.
1: Alcohol. You cannot okay? be a Christian. Same drink idea. Alcohol. You can't be a Christian if you do this, A, B, C or D. Um, or smoke. Or smoke, yeah. Dancing for, you know, my mom and dad, he couldn't, you know, watch movies for the Nazarene church. But yeah.
0: My, my dad, when he grew up, he, he couldn't play pool or play cards. Or play
1: cards, yeah. It's- <laughs> and, right. And so you've got all of those different yeah. things, okay? And the question I got to, um, okay, so just talking about marijuana, something that, it's legal in 32 to 39 states. I don't know the exact number now, but we're just trending towards a place where it's going to be right. legal. There's a lot of Christians and a lot of Christ followers who use marijuana, not only in the legal states, but also in the illegal states. Right. For me, um, I'm not going to use marijuana. I Just like I wouldn't use cigarettes. I know that it has some beneficiaries for mental health and for cancer and for different health reasons. Um, where I've grown, though, so much is like in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it is a deal breaker. I don't think it matters, you know. And some people might have just like lost their, you know.
0: Jordan is looking for employment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm
0: joking. No, yeah, no, it's it, it's it's fascinating. Yeah, and there'll be some people out out watch are going to be shocked to oh I don't know right if I can do that right.
1: I have a bi- personally, I have a bigger problem with cigarettes than I do with marijuana, just because of the health. You know, risks and stuff.
0: I really don't want people driving while they're smoking marijuana. I don't want people driving
1: (laughs) on roundabouts, period, Period, you know? Period. period. Same with alcohol. Like, uh, I went to college, and alcohol for me is a tough one because I have had a history of, you know, family members who are alcoholics. So I've just chosen not to drink.
0: Understood. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Personally. um, I've got good friends, very good friends who are Christians who are able to handle alcohol and I would argue don't get drunk, but, yeah, you know, there's I, some people that I would see, say— See, now that
0: we can, we can talk about. And drunk. I love—and you know what the—I don't know if you know this or not, but there there are denominations, churches, Christians, what have you, will say, say, well, you know what? The wine in Jesus' day was not fermented. Right. <laughs> but they got drunk. Right. You know— I mean that's that's the extent that we go to to rationalize yeah. the legalistic stuff that's back here that right. we've grown up with. That oh well you yep. can't drink, so we got to we got to justify it and rewrite what is really happening.
1: Yep, and for so long, the questions just weren't allowed to be asked. Right again, back to you know sexual sin. Okay, is sex before marriage a sin? Right. You know, up until probably really early two thousand, that one stayed pretty black or white for a while a lot longer than i would argue alcohol or marijuana did marijuana started to become more popular in the 80s 90s when you know the war on drugs became a thing but sex before marriage was a christian and that's why we talked about purity culture right um that's why that became so toxic um in the early 2000s um but that's one of those areas where um so many people today it's probably when i was looking at the data of sex before marriage with deconstruction and reconstruction it's like 65 to 70% of millennials don't think sex before marriage is a sin
0: i'm surprised it's that low
1: right it, well it could be even higher this was you know just off the top of my head when i was looking back at yeah. our sex thing that we were talking about um because again and and that's one of the areas where i personally would argue not uh, again I'm very passionate about talking about purity and stuff. Um, Not because I think sex before marriage is inherently an absolute wrong, wrong, wrong. Like, don't do it. There's bad implications. It's more so just because of the spiritual implications and all of that fun stuff. Um,
0: And and here again, did you have more? I didn't want to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I was just going
1: to say, and what I've gotten to the point of, especially dealing with young adults, is even though that's a pretty fine line for me... That, and I'm going to encourage and walk with people and share my stance. I had, you know, a good friend of mine who um, just shared with me, you know, hey, me and my significant other are living together, okay? And I just shared with him, I said, hey, um, I'm not going to push you too hard, but I'm just going to share right up front. This is what I believe, right. just so you know. Like this is where I stand. So I'm not going to condone it. I'm not going to condemn it. And I think that's the difference. Right. Is before it was, we're going to condemn you for doing it. Now it's like, hey. You're an adult, and like you're going to make your choices. This is what I believe. Right, and,
0: and and we've actually talked about this from the stage, and and has actually done series on this. Is and this was a game changer for me is understanding that the laws and regulations and things were nothing more than guardrails mm. to keep us on 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 task. Of saying, you know, is it sin? Yeah, we can call it sin, but there's consequences and not necessarily even from from god it's just that you know what if you go out and and drink, let's take drinking for example okay? okay is that that you go out and get drunk and you're driving you kill somebody there's going to be a consequence for that mm-hmm. not necessarily that god has punished you for it there's just consequence so it's better if you don't do that and i think that's what god has done with a lot of these rules or what we call law right. is that you're just going to have a better life if you live in this
1: lane. Right. That's one of um Andy Stanley's biggest things with sex before marriage. Yes. Is he said he he writes in his book um on purity that he wrote with his wife, I believe, that even if sex before marriage isn't a sin. Yeah. Okay? There's scientific and psychological evidence that right. says if you have, you know, if you set yourself up for success with purity, And abstain from porn and those things that you will live a healthier, happier life. Yeah. Okay. So even if it's not wrong from a biblical standpoint and you want to set yourself up for the greatest future, the most successful future, um, abstaining from different temptations is the way to go. Um, So back onto our conversation. The question that I want to move us towards is this. Is deconstruction a good thing, a bad thing, or both?
0: I would say it's both. I would too. Yeah, and and because you know, what even going back to your example, okay, is if someone is questioning some faith, or or all of a sudden there's something that says, "Oh, hold it, this is not how I was raised. It's not what I have been taught to believe." Right. If you have to struggle through that, and we we try to actually create that tension sometimes when we teach, yeah, you know, as we're as we're preaching, as we honestly try to create a tension of of Okay, what do I do with this?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Someone give me the answer. No, Mm -hmm. you go find the answer. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, even within our different messages, something that's become such a struggle is now we have to teach knowing that there's 500 different perspectives in the crowd. Right, right. Back in the day, you, you taught one, this was the one, everybody else is wrong. Now you have 15 different personalities coming up to you at the end of service sharing their point of view. Right. And being okay with it,
0: and, and how do you and how do you help each one of them journey to understand <laughs> right. what God has in store for them? Not that the answer is necessarily different, right? But if they can make that journey just as you did and figure it out, now all of a sudden you own this faith of yours, right? That has been the problem. I mm-hmm. think that's why some people deconstruct to the point. The bad end of deconstruction is they they deconstruct to the point of I just. I just don't believe anymore because I can't I can't make this whole thing fit anymore.
1: And a lot of my friends who have deconstructed to the point of no return, it's because the church has hurt them. Right. It's because of toxic situations where they've seen something unhealthy, they've been a part of an unhealthy situation, they've been a part of abuse, or they've been told you have to do this or you are going to hell. I'm like, okay, if that's what that, are that, that's who
0: God is, then I'm out.
1: Yeah. And that's what, you know...
0: And and I think we just told somebody not too long ago, you know, that God doesn't exist. Right. You know, I mean...
1: Even when you look at the God of the Old Testament and he set up these parameters and all of these, these things and whatnot, um, the God of the Old Testament still had so much grace. Yes. Uh, if you read the book of Judges, and the, we're talking about doing a series on this, Yeah. every chapter starts with... <laughs>
0: And the, and the Israelites did, did evil, did evil in, in the eyes, eyes of, of the Lord. Lord.
1: The end of the chapter ended with and they figured it out. They figured it out. And there was a time of peace. Yeah. And then the next chapter Again. And then they did evil. Right. You know, the <laughs> It's like we see God who was a you do a you receive B in the Old Testament. We think, okay, well, God was a pretty absolute God. You saw Him smite people. You saw now, Him go to war. And, and, and God is still a God of wrath. And there's God of mercy. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. You know, and, and we see and that. I
0: don't want. I don't want to get the wrong impression. But, and, right. And even we said earlier, I want to go back here because some of the people, especially my generation, are going to say, yeah. "Well, there they are. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're waffling. They're not. You know, they're watering down this whole gospel thing. You know, well, what about God's wrath? Yeah, God is a God of wrath.
1: Mm-hmm. And I would but even... he's
0: a and the God, God is a God of
1: truth, too. And absolutely. And so that's part of what we want to say is what we've gotten to the place of is knowing, um, is recognizing that even though there is some absolute truth, where we would take...
0: No question. You can go we, on our website, you we, can see what there's truth... We can take stance.
1: Right. We'll take hard stances. Well, we've come to recognize, and kind of as we close up the conversation tonight, is there is a lot of gray areas, though, too, that... Aren't willing that we're not that we aren't willing to die on,
0: we don't know everything, right? The one thing that we are willing to die on is that Jesus was erected, <laughs> that is the core of everything that there is,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, that is that is the core of, of our faith,
1: mm-hmm. and I think that's why Jesus simplified everything by saying, Love God, love others. Yep, he said, Hey, even when we get to heaven. You know, God could have had an absolute for every single thing. But for our human mindsets to say, hey, how about y'all just focus on love God, love people? And and, and the rest is going to fall into place. Right, right. And if you spend your entire life trying to figure out all the rules and all of the absolutes and all of the theology, the knowledge of God, and all of these A, B, Cs, and Ds, and try condemning people for not doing the right thing, you're going to drive yourself crazy.
0: I heard this said one time, and and, then I'll shut up, is is when they talk about the—and again, we're going back to the law, okay— the law that was given is that that the law was made for people, mm-hmm. not people made for the law. Right. And so what happens a lot of times is that we see somebody breaking the law and we say protect the law, protect the law. Mm. And when you see Jesus, he's saying protect the people. Mm,
1: that's good. The,
0: you know, the that's law good. is for the people. It's not the people for it's like having kids. You know, I had kids so they could pick up their toys because that's the rule. <laughs> you know, I've heard Andy say that. You know, yeah. And and so. It, that that put things in perspective for me, and that made mm-hmm. so much more sense. Now, let's protect the people. Let's go love on the people and help them understand why the law even exists.
1: Mm, that's good. Yeah. Uh, I'll share one final thought. I'll share one thought and then a quote, and then we'll share our final thoughts and get out of here because it's 835. Wow. Um, I was reading yesterday, and it caught my attention from Luke. I believe it's Luke. It could be Matthew. <laughs> Sometimes you know. they you know wash together. Yeah. Um, Where Jesus is approached by the rich ruler and asks, how do I inherit the kingdom of God? Okay. It caught my attention that I feel like Jesus's response is so like nonchalant. It's, it's almost like he brushed a, well, what does the law say? Like, okay, well, you know, you're worried about what you're doing wrong or what you're doing wrong, what are you taught? Like, you know, let me yeah. hear your thought. And he tells them, he lists off all of these things. He's like, great, then you're good. He's like, okay, but, you know, I still feel like I'm not doing it right. Okay, well, then go sell like, it. Like, to me, it seems like if Jesus was so concerned about every single thing, it would have been an immediate black right, you've got to do this or you're out. Right. You know? And Jesus says, believe in me.
0: And, and you think about every response that people came to Jesus and, and basically asked him the same question, how do right. I in, in, inherit eternal life? And if you do the research, you're going to find three or four things mm-hmm. that he says differently mm-hmm. because he's meeting the people where they are. It's mm-hmm. not about the law. It's about the person mm-hmm. and where your heart is. And yep. that's what, how we try to handle things. And some people just don't understand, okay, yep. no, we need to have this black and white. No, we're going to work with the people mm-hmm. and we're going to have discussions. We're going to journey with them and... Mm-hmm. let them own it
1: yep and so that leads us to the final quote how should the church respond um, or pastors really how do we respond when someone is either deconstructing their faith or struggling with questions um, or beliefs or whatnot and I heard an author and pastor his name's rich villadas uh, shared it this week actually it was crazy he was tweeting about it and I thought this was incredible he says this what if the primary pastoral response or even just Christian response? To those who are deconstructing, was this help me understand what you are seeing and feeling. And then can we try to discern what the Spirit might be saying through your feelings of desolation?
0: And that's that tension and wrestling that we've always been talking about.
1: Mm hmm. Help me, under, help me understand what you're thinking, what you're feeling,
0: thinking. and seeing. And let's walk through this together. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah. how many times have we responded with that? Or help me understand, or what do you mean by that? Or asking we, the question before we, we give the response.
0: We try to do it 100% of the time, exactly. honestly. Yeah.
1: Yep. And so here's my final thought, and then I'll let you share your final thought. Just to kind of sum everything up, okay? Deconstruction, really, there's two parts. You've got one part, which is asking tough questions, Que- starting to question everything you believe, while still then re- then reconstructing your faith into something healthier. Mm-hmm. The second part is where you ask all of those tough questions. You see toxic situations. It's too much, and so you step away completely. That's unhealthy deconstruction, which we're not a, you know for. We're for healthy reconstruction, not for. Um, unhealthy deconstruction we do believe that there are some black and white areas and some truth we have made a lot of hard stances before but we also believe that there's a lot of gray areas and we're more concerned about walking with people where they are
0: as individuals as individuals exactly so
1: i just wanted at the very end of the podcast to kind of recap all of that do you yeah have any exactly final thoughts? And,
0: and here's what i would say coming from a generation aspect is from younger generations continue to ask questions don't back away. I think that's what you're saying is yep. reconstruct, try to figure out the truth. And as an older generation, allow people to have those those questions mm-hmm. and those doubts mm-hmm. and be okay with that. And maybe because of the, your wisdom, be able to walk with people and have those discussions mm-hmm. to, to bring them into a, a, a different kind of understanding.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, and last thing.
0: So in the midst of all, of,
1: no, we couldn't, but we got to, uh, because the Cowboys are playing right now. <laughs> in the midst of all of this, okay, you are allowed to have convictions in certain areas, Absolutely. okay. Um, but what I would encourage you to do in the midst of your convictions is ask the question: Is there a possibility that there's more going on here? Mm-hmm. Okay, because your conviction, while it's your conviction, and even if you believe wholeheartedly it is an absolute truth. And there's no way it's black or white no matter what. There is somebody in the world who believes otherwise. Right. How you respond towards that difference in opinion or difference in fact could be revolutionary for that person's walk with Jesus. You can be right in the wrong way. Yep. So I'm done. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you to yeah, our okay. awesome volunteer Ryan for being here um, working and hanging out with us so that we could pull this off. Thank you for tuning in. Um, as our conversation about deconstruction was great, and we kind of went on a few rabbit trails. <laughs> um, if you ever have any questions about this, we reach out it. to us. Yeah. Um, or if you have any pushback or any thoughts or things that you heard that you're like, hey, I want to ask you further about this, let us know, jordan at c3fw.org. Last thing, in two weeks, we're going to have our final episode of the year. Um, 2021, we're talking about this question. Is Jesus the true Messiah? So wow. it should be good. December 16th, um, looking forward to it. So, hey. Uh, Thanks for joining us tonight. We hope to see you uh, next time. Have a great rest of your evening.
0: Thanks, everybody.